Security. From St. Pete to Brandon, this is AM Tampa Bay with Jack Harris, where Tampa Bay begins their morning. Hey, good morning to you. It's our Tuesday morning Newsapalooza here with Jack and Katie Bacino and James Berlander all on board. Welcome back, Jack. We are back to abnormal here. And great to be back, believe me. And if you want to join our conversation, give us a call at 800-969-9352. If you have any thoughts that you want to text us, 82945, and begin your text with the call letters, WFLA. Or you can begin with Whiskey Foxtrot Lima Alpha, if you happen to be at McDill Air Force Base. But um, got a lot of stuff to talk about, as usual. And by the way, if you went to bed early last night, the Rays stomped the Bosox Sox 10 to 5. And uh, they've got three more with the Bosox Sox tomorrow night, tonight, tomorrow night, and Thursday night. And then the Orioles are going to be here for the weekend. So that's what's happening with our Tampa Bay Rays. I want to bring this up. Uh, I got an email from Bert in Plant City, our other listener, who talked about how, well, as you are well aware, we're paying enormous prices for our gasoline, although fortunately gas prices are beginning to come down, but they're still way, way above what they were a year ago. And the Biden administration now sold nearly 1 million barrels of oil to a company that's linked to his son, Hunter Biden, in China. I mean, here's a guy that shut down the Keystone XL pipeline. He ended oil and gas leases by letting him run out, shutting down offshore drilling, and foregoing any drilling in oil-rich states and yet he sold 950,000 barrels of oil from the Strategic Petroleum Reserves to a Chinese state-owned gas company. And the company has financial ties to a private equity firm that was co-founded by Hunter Biden. And Biden's Department of Energy announced the nearly $1 billion million barrel sale to Unipec, which is the trading arm of Sinopec, and it's wholly owned and operated by the Chinese Communist Party. And Hunter Biden reportedly has financial ties to this Sinope. And a private equity company that Hunter co-founded allegedly purchased a nearly $2 billion stake in that marketing company in 2015. And uh, Biden and the White House mouthpieces have repeatedly claimed that Hunter Biden's now out of the equity firm. Uh, communist Chinese corporate records show he clearly still has a stake in the company. And when asked about it, the White House has dodged questions about it. And, of course, if this isn't evil enough, and, and as Burton Plant City pointed out, that Biden shouldn't just be impeached for this. He is stealing from Americans. He should be jailed for this. 
And I think a lot of people agree with that. We'd like to hear from you on that. Give us a call if you've got any thoughts on this. 800-969-9352. But as Burton Plant City said, he has been stealing so much from the American people who are hurting financially because of gas prices. And yet it's the real criminal here is the mainstream media. Can you imagine if Trump's presidency, if Trump had done this, that would be headline news. Oh, they'd every be all day. over him. They would completely be, would be incredible. And they're ignoring this, which makes them the real evildoers here, along with the Hunter Biden and the Biden administration and everybody else involved in this. But it's ridiculous. But Burton Plant City, I think a lot of people agree with you for sure. It's 5 at 11 on AM Tampa Bay. Time to check in now with John Thomas and traffic. Quick takes. Ripping through the biggest news stories of the day in record time. Providing you all you need to know. This is AM Tampa Bay with Jack Harris. And Chris Trankman here from the newsroom. And what's going on this morning, Chris? Good morning, Jack. Well, Hillsborough County Schools making what the superintendent calls great strides. Addison Davis went up to Thonota Sassa Elementary School to celebrate grades for the district schools. Overall, they moved from 35th in the state into the top 20 at number 19. And the school he was at, uh, Thonota Sassa, went from a C to an A. But he says that they are short teachers big time, and they need hundreds of teachers to sign up before school starts in the fall. And unfortunately, they don't have the funds. So he's... Uh, encouraging people to vote for the uh, tax increase on properties to help pay for more teachers. Oh, yeah, and that's that's a critical thing, getting good teachers, because that's the future of our country. Yeah, That's our young people and what they're going to learn and how they're going to be treated as kids. It's tough, Jack, because a lot of the teachers who work in the Hillsborough districts, many move in, or many travel, rather, from other counties. And with gas prices going up, they're looking for jobs closer to home. And some of the other districts have higher pay rates. So if you yeah. work in a nearby district and you don't want to commute in to the Tampa area, uh, you might just keep working in your own county and not come into Hillsborough. So they need more money, they say, to compete with these other districts. And it's a tough thing because, you know, here we are in an economy that's looking shaky and you know people aren't necessarily in the mood to be paying more in taxes yeah very true but this is probably the best thing you could pay taxes for is to get more and teachers and pay them better and yeah uh, because they're working with the future of america yeah that's exactly right jack although you know you talk to some of the teachers associations and whatnot their complaint is that why, why is it that these districts always have to raise taxes on the local community? Why is it the state, which has all this surplus, doesn't spend more on the schools That's from a the good state point. level? That's a good point, too. Yeah, seems like all the money is up there in Tallahassee and not down here in the counties. Yeah. So Yosemite National Park has got a major wildfire, and they're saying it was started by people. Officials were at a meeting out there talking about the 2,700 acres that are burning, and they're threatening the uh, Sequoia National Park which are the largest trees out west, those gigantic sort of red-colored trees with the huge trunks. Yeah. Some of them have been been around for thousands of years, 
And unfortunately, they are being threatened right now. Now, this happened a few years ago, uh, earlier in the 2010s. And they thought that the thickness of the bark from those trees would protect them against fires. And that's one of the reasons why they think they've been able to live all these thousands of years. Because, you know, wildfires happen from time to time. The difference, though, is there's been such a drought over there that they think that even those trees, uh, with their huge trunks, are vulnerable because they're so dry because they haven't had enough water. So they could burn down, too. And, of course, if they burn down, that'll be the end of that forest because it's thousands of years old. Oh, yeah. And, you know, the chances of growing it back like the way it was would be next to impossible. Yeah, I've been there many, many years ago, but... Yeah, I think there's so. one where you can drive a car through it. Yep, you can. Right? Yeah, I mean, that's how big yeah. they are. And it's, you know, a terrorist could set a fire like that. And, I mean, you yeah. wonder what caused it, uh, whether it was, you know, it could be lightning, it could be an accident by a non-terrorist or a yeah. terrorist saying well i'm going to do everything i can to harm america but what a shame it would be though to think that somebody did this either intentionally or by accident yeah that it could have been prevented you know you can't do anything about lightning strikes but you can if you just put out your cigarette or you don't you know throw away uh, your coals from your campfire improperly things like that that can lead to these terrible wildfires out there not true so here's a weird financial uh, note. The dollar and the euro are equal. The euro fell to a 20-year low on Monday. That brought parity between the two currencies for the first time in 20 years. The drop driven by fears that there's an energy crisis in the European Union. Of course, you know, they're not taking the Russian oil and gas, which has become a big problem over there, especially with the costs of energy. Yeah. And they're worried about recessions in their countries, too. And so that's dragging the euro down. So if you're looking to go to uh, Europe, this would be a good time to do it. Yep, cheaper. It's cheaper. But we got, we got some euros at home that uh, oh yeah we gather over there. And <laughs> can't spend them in this country. Yeah. So it's uh, you know it's one of those things where it's an unusual uh, you know phenomenon to see currencies uh, level out like that. But that's an indication of how unstable uh, the. Uh, financial world is right now with with a lot of things going on in the economies here and abroad. Yeah. And speaking of the local economy, the biggest McDonald's franchisee in Florida is selling all of its stores. The Casper's company opened the first McDonald's in Tampa back in 1958. Down on South Dale Mabry. That's right. On South Dale yep, Mabry, that was the first there. one. Yeah, definitely still there. But they're not going to own it anymore. They're going to sell all 60 of the franchises that they own to McDonald's, mm. and they're going to take the money and run. Exactly where they're going, it's not clear, but uh, they've decided to get out of the fast food business, at least with McDonald's. So a new chapter for that company, but you know what? They'll still have Big Macs available oh, if yeah. you want to go and get one. Big old Macs. That's right. So that won't change, just the ownership. Love them for sure. <laughs> well, Chris will have more coming up here in nine minutes at the bottom of the hour. Thank you, Chris. Thanks, Jack. Time to check in now with John Thomas and traffic. DuckDuckGo app. The latest headlines, weather, and traffic every weekday morning. This is AM Tampa Bay with Jack Harris on News Radio WFLA. It's 524 on AM Tampa Bay got another story here about hunter biden uh they say prosecutors may have a case for federal 
prostitution offenses against Hunter Biden, according to documents and texts and videos showing that he spent $30,000 on escorts in a five-month period. And the uh, president's son wrote checks to a Ukrainian woman whose transactions were red flagged by banks for suspicious activity. And a suspicious activity report filed by J.P. Morgan Chase named Florida and New York-based Ekaterina Mariva after she received tens of thousands of dollars from Hunter's company and women that the first son paid for sex. And texts from Hunter's iPhone also show him handwriting checks disguised as medical services to escorts supplied by Mariva, whose website offers what they call a girlfriend experience with prostitutes as young as 20 years old. And some of Hunter's hooker payments came just hours after he got thousands of dollars from his dad. And the videos and pictures show Hunter helping transport those prostitutes over state lines for a devotion night with him and a potential federal offense. But the material has been in the FBI's hands since December of 2019, raising the prospect that its investigation into Hunter could lead to charges over his dealings with prostitutes, although experts say prosecutions over prostitution charges alone are very much rare. But the um, president's son, Hunter, of course, is currently the subject of a federal investigation, uh, which is reportedly examining potential tax crimes and money laundering and alleged illegal foreign lobbying linked to his overseas business deals. But again, the story we talked about earlier here, that the fact that, again, the real criminal here is the mainstream media that thoroughly has ignored all of this. But here's the thing, Jack. Now, we know that Hunter Biden is a complete whack job. I mean, the the images, the videos, the whole litany of everything is all on Twitter for people to see. Just take a gander, just search Hunter Biden even, you'll see it. So here's the thing. Even if he gets like a pardon from his dad, who you never know. It could happen. Um, We know what a whack job this guy is. Oh, yeah. Undoubtedly. And it's just, and again, the real evil one here is the mainstream media that totally ignore it. And as you and I have said earlier, If this had been Trump or Trump's kids, it would be headline news every day in the mainstream media. But no, it's Biden, and he's a Democrat, so we'll just totally ignore this. It's a cover-up. Yep, it is that. Hey, a little later on here in the next hour, we got Lionel, who's going to be on board here this morning, and it's always interesting to find out what Lionel is going to be talking about. It's 528 on AM Tampa Bay. Keeping you up on what's trending. Here's the AM Tampa Bay trendsetter, Katie Bacino. And at 536, what do we got trending this morning, Katie? Well, I want to remind everyone to eat your jello today because July 12th is Eat Your Jello Day. Eat Your Jello Day? Yeah, so apparently it is very important today of all days. 
to eat your jello. So just don't wrestle in it. Eat it too. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's also National Pecan Pie Day. Pecan, however you say it. Don't argue with me. I'm going to say it both ways. So you can't come at me. Pecan. Uh, so I guess for dessert, there's your dessert. Have some pie um, and some jello. I don't like pecan pie. I, I just pecans are okay, but not in a pie. I'm honestly the same way. I don't like whatever it's mixed with i don't really know how to make it i've never tried to make it but i'm just not a fan i've had it a couple times and i try to like it and I'm j- it's just not for me and jello you're gonna have to put some whipped cream on it or something yeah jello is just kind of boring hmm. there's a new food hall opening in saint pete it's Ooh. called edge eatery and it's finally going to open next week it looks pretty good it's going to be i don't know where this is it's going to be on the ground floor of fusion 1560 luxury apartment building but there's going to be a few different restaurants in it. So, I mean, it looks pretty good. There's three different concepts in there. The Edge? Yes, that's that's what the food hall is going to be called. And then there's three restaurants in it. Sangria's at St. Pete, the Cuban, the Cuban Sandwichery, which Ooh. that sounds good, and mm-hmm. Carne de Vino. Well, I hope they do Cuban sandwiches right. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, if you're going to have a name like that, you have to do it right, right? Oh, yeah, definitely so. How disappointed would you be if you went to the Cuban sandwich eatery and it was awful? <laughs> well, I don't know much about indoor soccer. I've never seen it played before, but there's a new team here in Tampa Bay. Some more lightning strikes in Tampa Bay. The Tampa Bay Strikers were announced as the latest expansion team for the National Indoor Soccer League at a news conference yesterday. Yeah, you know, I didn't even know they had a National Indoor Soccer League. Uh, the league was just founded in January of last year, so they're fairly new. Yeah. But the uh, Tampa Bay Rowdies used to do indoor soccer, too. I mean, they oh, really? did outdoor during the regular season. And then in the off season they had an indoor league. The, and this is in the days of the old NASL. And I was broadcasting them then. And that was a lot of fun. I mean, doing indoor soccer. Hmm. Uh, it's kind of like, well, indoor football with the... Uh, the arena ball league. I feel like in Florida, indoor soccer is very nice because you don't have to sit out in the heat. Right yeah. right now in the league, there's only four teams, and their goal is to complete expansion and have six teams by next year. But, I mean, it's nice to have just some extra things here in Tampa Bay, and the tickets are going to be pretty cheap. They're going to cost between 15 and $20. You can get season tickets for $120. So, I mean, it's very affordable to go and watch. Yeah, what are they, they got a Lakeland team, the Lakeland Tropics. I'm not sure. I'll have to look into all the teams. I don't have the list right in front of me. I just know that the new team that was added yesterday were the Tampa Bay Strikers. Yeah, they're going which to be I love called that the name. Tampa Bay Strikers. It'd be nice if they go on and take the name Rowdies. Of course, you got the Rowdies outdoor still, but not anywhere near like the uh, old days with the original Tampa Bay Rowdies. Strikers and- sounds like bowling, though. Yeah, well, that, that I'd rather go too. bowling. See, I didn't even think of that. I was thinking like lightning strikes. I actually oh, really like the name. I, I thought it was pretty good. I mean, there's way worse names out in the sports world. So I'm I, sorry to ruin it. <laughs> I didn't think of that. But they're going to play here at the Yingling Center on USF's main campus. So they'll just turn that into an indoor soccer league. Yeah. I've only ever been to a concert there, so it's weird to think of them playing indoor soccer there. Yeah, I've, I've broadcast usf games there back many years ago after it opened it's a pretty neat place to do games
Also, I wanted to mention this real quick because, Jack, we met up over the weekend in Daytona, and we'll get to that later. But we were both wondering why flags were at half staff, and we looked it up, and I just wanted to let everyone know because I brought that up to a few people, and everyone had the same question. It's for the former Japanese prime minister who was assassinated. Oh, That's Abe. why. Yeah, yes. Abe. A lot of people were wondering why all the flags have been at half staff, and that, that is makes why. sense. Yeah. yeah, and I was one wondering too, and I thought, is this over James Con? I mean, usually it doesn't happen over <laughs> movie stars, and I never even thought about Abe, the fact that he was assassinated. But um, hmm, I'm glad you cleared that up. It's 5:41 on AM Tampa Bay, and here's John Thomas now with traffic. Now taking a look back at this day in history on AM Tampa Bay with Jack Harris. At 5:44, we got today in history for July 12th in 100 BC. Julius Caesar, a Roman politician and general, uh, was born in 100 BC. In 1543, King Henry VIII of England married his sixth and final wife, Catherine Parr, at the Hampton Court Palace. Six wives for Henry VIII. And I guess the woman said she had the eighth. Uh, in 1776, Captain James Cook began his third voyage to the New World. In 1812, the American Army of the Northwest briefly occupied the Upper Canadian Settlement at what is now Windsor, Ontario. And that was the War of 1812. 1862, the Medal of Honor is authorized by the United States Congress. And there have been several given away in just the past few days. I had uh, a couple of guys I worked with. Well, one got the Medal of Honor um, when we were in Vietnam or after Vietnam. And another one, the guy that ran our ROTC program, had been a Medal of Honor recipient from the uh, Korean War. 1917, the Bisbee deportation occurs as vigilantes kidnap and deport nearly 1,300 striking miners and others from Bisbee, Arizona. In 1948, Israeli Prime Minister David Ben-Gurion orders the expulsion of Palestinians from the towns of Lod and Ramla. 1962, the Rolling Stones performed for the first time at London's Marquee Club. And they've had quite a career. 1967, riots began in Newark, New Jersey. I don't know what those were about, but they began. 1973, a fire destroyed the entire sixth floor of the National Personnel Records Center of the United States. 2001, the Space Shuttle Program, Space Shuttle Atlantis, is launched on mission STS-104, carrying the Quest Joint Airlock to the International Space Station. 2007, U.S. Army Apache helicopters engaged in airstrikes against armed insurgents in Baghdad, Iraq, where civilians were killed 
and footage from the cockpit was later leaked to the internet. And finally, in 1912, Bayshore Boulevard in Tampa opened from Brevard Avenue to Magnolia Street. A fairly large segment of Bayshore Boulevard opened at that time. And that's our Today in History for July 12th. And, um, by the way, we got one thing we'll talk about here later. St. Pete Mayor Ken Welch is holding neighborhood talks about the future of the Tropicana Field site. And no comment from the Rays on any of this, but um, the first of Welch's community conversations are going to get underway today. And, uh, well, this is a pretty sensitive issue in St. Petersburg, as you can only imagine. But you can Google it, I'm sure, and find out where these neighborhood talks are going to be held. But uh, it's going to be over what should be done with the Tropicana Field site, given that the Rays are going to be leaving there in the not-too-distant future. I think it's 2026. It's 549 on AM Tampa Bay, and time to check in with John Thomas in traffic. Live from the WFLA studios, this is AM Tampa Bay with Jack Harris on News Radio WFLA. And time now for our NBC News Radio reporter, Rory O'Neill. And this report is brought to you by the Oncology Institute. And Rory, we've got this afternoon. They're back at it again. The uh, January 6th hearings are going to continue. Uh, They are, and uh, we're going to have Orlando Congresswoman Stephanie Murphy among the two people, members of Congress, uh, leading the questioning today. They're really going to focus on that time between December 14th and January 5th, the time after the Electoral College votes were cast by the states and before they were counted on the 6th. Uh, They want to know how these right-wing extremist violent groups you know, were they, they were obviously planning the attack on January 6th, but did they have any help from inside the White House? Yeah, and I've said this a hundred times. I just remember his speech before that um, and when he said, you know, he wanted them to protest at the uh, Congress. Right, as but he said, he said yeah, protest peacefully. That's what yeah, he said. Peacefully and patriotically. But, you know, Right, but you know Roger Stone and General Flynn, uh, you know, were they involved in trying to bring these violent groups in? The vast majority of people who protested that day were just staging a First Amendment protected protest. But, yeah, but there were the bad actors in there who turned violent, and they plotted this. And uh, we just want to know if anyone else helped them uh, from the administration. Yeah, given all of the video that's available today. Uh, it would seem like they can come to some conclusions. And like you say, there were some bad actors that uh, should be punished for what they did, but just the bad actors, the rest were just protesters. Right. And, you know, but one of the ones, the uh, founder of the Oath Keepers, I mean, he's been charged with uh, seditious conspiracy. I mean, a very serious charge. And the former spokesperson for the Oath Keepers is expected to be one of the people questioned today. Uh, we don't know the whole list. There are some security concerns, the panel says, uh, limiting how much information they're giving out in advance. And again, it's 
heavily Democratic uh, Democrats that are doing the investigating, right? Yes. Well, today we're going to have uh, two Democrats leading the questioning. As you know, the panel has uh, two Republicans on it, Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger. Both of them are sort of anti-Trump Republicans, yeah. uh, but they are the two Republicans on the panel. Yeah, two anti-Trump Republicans and then Democrats who are going after right. the former president who just happened to be a Republican. <laughs> but right. By the way, Jack, how was St. Lucie County? Did you travel there this weekend? I know they had that uh, nude skinny dipper world record setting swim. I just assumed you were over in St. Lucie's County. For that. <laughs> I don't. That way, that's where you were, right? I don't think I was there. I'm not even sure where St. <laughs> Lucie County is. Oh, so you don't want to admit it? Okay, then I won't bring it up. I'm sorry. I well, I was through that. Orlando and <laughs> Disney <laughs> Springs and over in that area. Yum. Very nice. <laughs> Yeah, you have to use that extra sunscreen if you want to join the skinny dippers in St. Lucie. <laughs> okay. Well, I appreciate that, Rory. Rory O'Neill, our NBC News radio reporter. And this report was brought to you by the Oncology Institute, a new kind of cancer care provider focused on clinical outcome, patient satisfaction, and designing a treatment plan that's right for you. Six locations across Tampa Bay. So make an appointment at the oncologyinstitute.com. Coming up here in just a little while, we've got Lionel. And as always, we have no idea what he's going to be speaking on, but I'll guarantee it'll be entertaining and informative, as Lionel always is. For sure. It's 557 on AM Tampa Bay. Security. From Odessa to Clearwater, this is AM Tampa Bay with Jack Harris, where Tampa Bay begins their morning. Yes, indeed, it's Jocular Jack, incredibly cute and capable Katie, and Judicious James all on board, as we are back to abnormal now. It's six minutes after six, Tuesday morning, named after one of the old war gods. And first of all, we got a bunch of birthdays today. Uh, Lillian Porter Smith, Michael Green, Don Ferlita, well-known name around here, George Hulse, Peggy Cawley, uh, Randy Conte, Kelly Stilp Campbell, John Grant, the uh, former state senator, Rob Bollinger, Mark Garcia, Sr., and last but far from least is Patrick Mantega, the uh, publisher of the only trilingual newspaper in the country. So happy birthday to Patrick, Lillian, Michael, Don, George, Peggy, Randy, Kelly, John, Bob, and Mark. And have you all got any more in there? I have Jesse Garland, Brent Pinkston, and Glenn Lutzker. Now, are these friends of yours again? They are my Facebook friends. Facebook friends, okay. And how about you, James? For me, I've just got one today. I've got Donald Weaver turning a grand old 78 years old today. 78, and yep. happy birthday to one and all. And I've got a, well, a joke here, I think, that came from... 
Might have come from George Carl. Oh, boy. He says, I've got to use a hillbilly accent. I don't know if I can do that. You even, reckon? Even though I'm from West Virginia. Two hillbillies walk into a restaurant, and while having a bite to eat, they talk about their moonshine operation. And suddenly a woman at a nearby table who's eating a sandwich begins to cough. And after a minute or so, it becomes apparent that she's in real distress. And one of the hillbillies looks at her and says, Can you swallow? And the woman shakes her head no. And then he asks, Can you breathe? And the woman begins to turn blue and shakes her head no. And the hillbilly walks over to the woman, lifts up her dress, yanks down her drawers, and quickly gives her right shocked that she has a violent spasm, and the obstruction flies out of her mouth. And as she begins to breathe again, the hillbilly walks slowly back to the table, and his brother said, You know, I'd adhere to that there Heinlich maneuver, but I ain't never seen nobody do it. <laughs> well, that one should have just stayed in the email box. <laughs> well, we'll blame George Carl or whoever sent it to me. And George sent another one here, too. This is well, George Carl joke. God, I hope it's better and more appropriate <laughs> than that one. Is it Disney rated? Now, let's see. This is some real dead penguins. He says, I never knew this. Did you ever wonder why there are no dead penguins on the ice in Antarctica? Where do they go? Wonder no more. It's a known fact. Penguin is very ritualistic bird that lives an extremely ordered and complex life and is very committed to his family and will mate for life as well as maintain a form of compassionate contact with its offspring throughout its life. And if a penguin is found dead on the ice surface, ice surface, other members of the family and social circle have been known to dig holes in the ice using their vestigial wings and beaks until the hole is deep enough for the dead bird to be rolled into and buried. And the male penguins then gather in a circle around the fresh grave and sing, Freeze a jolly good fellow, freeze a jolly good fellow. <laughs> blame George for both of those. <laughs> All right, enough of that. It's 11 after 6. Time to get some realistic stuff in here. John Thomas and traffic. In the darkest times, he is a beacon of hope. When common sense is needed in a mad world, a voice for Americans, a voice for America. This is Lionel on AM Tampa Bay with Jack Harris. And at 6.15, he is the reason we love the first day of the week, in this case being Tuesday for us. And our favorite sesquipedalian Lionel on board here now. And what's up this morning, Lionel? Well, I'll tell you, here's a topic that I want to, and I know you're going to find absolutely important and critical. In fact, Katie agrees with me 100%. Um, ESGs, uh, specifically that of the World Economic Forum. And I know you've always uh, believed in talking about matters which are global, and of course I am kidding, but Jack, have you ever heard of the term ESG? ESG, no. 
ESG refers to investments that countries make uh, that uh, supposedly are are higher in terms of environmental, social, and governance criteria. These were established by the World Economic Forum, and a man who pretty much runs the world, not George Soros, but Klaus Schwab. Now, you could walk for a thousand miles anywhere in Florida, and nobody knows yeah, who that I, is. I'm one of them. What that means. It's the most important person probably in the world. Now, Sri Lanka, Sri Lanka, it fell. Now, that's an insurrection. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> Let me tell Liz Cheney, just anytime you see fire and the army running, eh, it's a good sign. Now, what's happening is the reason why that fell and the reason why you should be very scared is that they told farmers, farmers, that all of a sudden they had to lay off of using anything involving nitrogen. They came up with these ridiculous, deliberately destructive criteria based on ESG. Oh, and by the way, using the World Economic Forum criteria, Sri Lanka has a near-perfect score of 98. Sweden has 96, and the U.S. 51. Mm. So they fell into this globalist monetary crap that nobody really understands, and look what happened to them. Jack, this is going to happen here. There are three things that are the most important that anybody listening should pay attention to. Water, food, and energy. That's it. And you're going to see, mark my words, food shortages. Now, people think, no, we're the breadbasket. No, 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 no. It's not about production. It's how do you get it there? What do you do to, to how do you deal with it? How do you truck this back and forth? The plastics that are involved in wrapping the food or the nitrogen that is produced. Believe me, believe me, it's happening. And meanwhile, we're looking over to the left because we always think domestically. But the people who run the world, the people who are changing everything, because Jack, I hate to say this, the new world order that George Herbert Walker Bush talked about and Henry Kissinger and Gordon Brown and everybody, it's here. Because, Jack, the United States is not in charge of anything anymore. Let me say that again. When we were kids, we were the preeminent supreme power. And you have to look at other countries. Now, when you mention Sri Lanka... And if you mention people who were involved, if you mention the names of, you know, um, President Sir Siracina, and you know, people think, oh, come on, those people are, they're backwater, backwoods, kind of primitive, you know, and that's, that's, that's over there. Those people are over there. They, they never had their stuff together. We're, we're beyond that. We're America. Well, that's a very dangerous thing to think and a dangerous place to be because what is looming that everybody that I know of because there are so many people who, whose focus is not on Fox News in fact if it's on cable news don't watch it seriously it's like junk food beyond junk food <laughs> it's, it's, it, it's, it's the container of the junk food it's not a, it's, it's not a, a, you know, a, a Big Mac it's the styrofoam container I'm telling you this. 
And America has no clue. Absolutely not a clue. We're just kind of bopping around. Hey, you going to the beach? And oh, let's go to the beach. And, and <laughs> Facebook, where we pretend our lives are great, Facebook distracts us. Isn't my life great? So blessed. Here I am at the beach. I'm at Indian Rocks. Look. What are you talking about? I'm doing great. Look, I've got my, I'm burning cancers into my back. I'm doing terrific. That's what we are. We are clueless. Mm. It, it is, and I'm sitting here saying, okay. I feel like I'm on top of the mountain, and I'm seeing the, the worst tidal wave, the worst tsunami, the worst whatever you want to call it, and nobody seems to know. But anyway, Jack, that's the way we are. What are you going to yep. do? Yep. And, uh... Yep. You gotta follow yep. Lionel on Twitter at Lionel Media because he asks some incredible questions Indeed. and gets even more incredible answers. And uh, on YouTube, and also at follow Lionel me on, Nation. On, uh, on YouTube at Lionel Nation. And by, yeah. and by the way, Jack, do me a favor. Just calm down. Take this <laughs> in stride. Don't let it. Don't let it get to you today. You move on. We're going to kind of maybe, I hope, get through this. Take it easy. Because I know that on WFLA 970 WFLA, you're going to be talking about ESGs, Kyle Schwab, Sri Lanka, all day long. Because believe me, because remember, if it's breaking news, it's news to us. (laughs) Thank you, Lionel. All the best. It's 621 on AM Tampa Bay, and John Thomas has got our traffic. Live on the free iHeartRadio app. This is AM Tampa Bay with Jack Harris on News Radio WFLA. It's 625 on AM Tampa Bay, and we're joined now by Nicole Wilson, our NBC News radio reporter. And um, Nicole, I wasn't aware of this, but I've seen this in a couple places now that Americans are sort of moving away from college educations. They say uh, it's too expensive, and they just don't value it that much. You know, I think that is actually true, particularly with individuals who are considered Gen Xers or millennials, right? They're finding opportunities to make money and find a happiness that, is is much different from what we found and what our parents found uh the value in college education they're looking at the the numbers and walking out uh in your early 20s with tens of thousands of dollars worth of debt and they're saying uh no thank you yeah and again they just wonder whether or not it's worth it i mean are they going to get a job that that's much that much better or uh what's the case going to be so they do uh, recognize that if you have a degree that you're very likely going to make more money than the person who does not go to college. Uh, but even with the person who has a degree, the, the, the study that we're looking at says that over the average lifetime, you're going to make about $2.8 million once you graduate college. So over the course 22 through the rest of your life, you're bringing in about $2.8 million, but you're paying several hundred thousand maybe back in 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 student loans if you had to secure loans to get that education and so some people just don't know that it's worth it is it really worth it to be beholden to that debt for many many years after graduating yeah how true that is but uh and it seems like that 
uh, now with um, the internet and everything, there's a lot of ways people can get educations online. It really is. And one of the things that the survey notes is that it, particularly for jobs that you can learn and do without a degree, but people don't appreciate the fact that employers require degrees for those kinds of jobs. Now, certainly, if you're going to become a doctor, please go to college, learn how to cut on someone accurately. Oh, <laughs> but yeah. for, for jobs like uh that don't require a degree, where they feel like you can get the training and do the job, uh, they're kind of frustrated that employers actually look for you to have a degree. I can only imagine. Nicole Wilson, our NBC News radio reporter on Twitter, at Radio... No, wait a minute. What is your Twitter handle? Oh, goodness. You know, I haven't gone on Twitter in many, many, many years, actually. Oh, okay. <laughs> Nicole J. Wilson, yeah. Okay. Well, thank you for joining us, Nicole. Thank you. Have a good day. It's 629 on AM Tampa Bay. It's your podcast. Let's hear about the dopiest dope of all the dopes of the day on AM Tampa Bay with Jack Harris. And at 638, who's our dope of the day here this morning, Katie? Well, she is 33-year-old Zandra Ellis, and she was arrested in the parking lot of a Waffle House in New Orleans because she tried to hire a hitman on rentahitman.com which, uh, spoiler alert, is not a real website. It is set up to catch people just like this woman. But she was haggling over the price before settling on a $1,000 fee to kill the woman who she wanted dead, who is just known as J.D. Brown. We don't have a real name, but that's the fake name they're using. That's who she wanted dead. She said this woman was trying to kill her, so she sat in the parking lot of a Waffle House with a child that she brought with her, and after she paid the initial fee... They arrested her right outside of the Waffle House. <laughs> well, Poor kid. She had a kid with her who was in a stroller, so that's an oh, unfortunate that's ending for crazy. that. Um, if you ever try and hire a hitman, A, don't go to rentahitman.com. B, just don't try and hire a hitman. <laughs> yes. And if you do, you're probably going to have to spend more than $1,000. I think so. She thought she was getting a bargain, but now she just has to pay way more than that. Uh, she could face up to 10 years in prison if she's found guilty, and I have a feeling she's going to be found guilty. Well, I got one here in Holt, Florida, that's up in the panhandle. Seven months after a Florida man jumped into a panhandle swamp to avoid being arrested, he was taken into custody after trying to outrun law enforcement on a riding lawnmower. Forty-year-old guy, and um, he had a $40,000 stolen boat at one time, and... He'd used heavy machinery, cutting a hole in a metal building, and stole the vessel from a business in Baker, Florida. And he was on the stolen boat when deputies arrived, but he drove off the side and disappeared into the swamp to avoid jail. When they caught up with him again a day later, tried to avoid arrest by jumping on a John Deere riding lawnmower. And they gave chase in vehicles and they caught him, and uh, he had a revolver and handcuff key in his possession and a pipe and methamphetamine residue at the time of the arrest. And he's charged with grand theft, grand theft of a vehicle, felony, criminal mischief, 
two counts of resisting an officer possession of a concealed weapon by a felon, uh, carrying a concealed handcuff key, possession of drug paraphernalia, felony failure to appear. <laughs> He's being held without bond up in Okaloosa County, but trying to outrun a car in a riding lawnmower. Pretty dopey. It's 641 on AM Tampa Bay, and time to check in with John Thomas and traffic. Jack, Katie, and James, every weekday morning. This is AM Tampa Bay with Jack Harris on News Radio WFLA. It's 644, and um, part of our trip, we are gone for several days. We are up in Jacksonville, and Joy's always checking out historic Florida spots. And we went to the place where the first prayers were held in the state of Florida. And it was Fort George Island, just outside of Jacksonville. There's a marker there that was erected by the uh, Daughters of the American Revolution there back in 1938. But it says, Jean Ribot and a party of Huguenots landed the morning of May 1st, 1562 on the island, and they knelt in prayer, beseeching God's guidance and commanding the natives to his care, and it was the first Protestant prayer in North America. And the uh, historic marker is on the grounds of, I didn't know this at all either, Napoleon Bonaparte Brower Jr. Summer House. And Napoleon Bonaparte Broward was Florida's 19th governor. We had a governor named Napoleon Bonaparte. Uh, he had been elected to the Jacksonville City Council in 1895. Uh, and, and he built a seagoing tugboat, the Three Friends, with his brother. And it carried munitions and Cuban expatriates on its maiden voyage to Cuba in 1896. And, well, they did eight voyages through Spanish blockades to deliver arms and equipment to Cuban revolutionaries, and he was pursued by U.S. authorities set on seizing his ship, but he was elected governor of Florida in 1905, and he was elected to the U.S. Senate in 1910, but he died before taking office, but we had a governor named Napoleon Bonaparte, uh, well, Napoleon Bonaparte Broward, and of course we're familiar with Broward County, but I was not aware that the uh, Huguenots had quite a thing in this country, and the Huguenots were French Protestants, and they were trying to find a location in the New World to establish a Protestant state so they could practice their religion without persecution from any other parties or anything like that. And um, they ended up battling with uh, Spaniards in some cases, but with only five ships left from their fleet of 11, the Spanish fleet made landfall in 18 or 1565 
and this was September 8th, 1565, and they named their new village St. Augustine as the land that had been sighted on August 28th, which was the feast day of St. Augustine. And Menendez and his men led an attack on Fort Caroline, and they were able to capture the French Huguenot settlement with relative ease, and they say the Spanish soldiers killed most of the men during the battle. They did spare the women and children who were sent to Havana by ship. Um, and with the help of captured Frenchmen who played the role of translator, Menendez informed the surviving Huguenot inhabitants that uh, it had been captured and they needed to surrender. And um, Anyway, they sailed back to France. But they were French, by the way, the Huguenots. You had the Spaniards coming here into Florida, and I wasn't aware there were that many French, and they were the the Huguenots. I'm looking here at some of the other parts of it, but this was pretty interesting Florida history that I wasn't aware of until we got a chance to see the marker and everything, and then Joy updated me on all the stuff about the French Huguenots and Fort Caroline, as it was called. It is 6.49 on AM Tampa Bay, and time to check in now with John Thomas and traffic. On air and online at WFLANews.com. This is AM Tampa Bay with Jack Harris on News Radio WFLA. Hey, we urge you to check out our blog now as we've got some pictures of uh, Katie and I getting together along with her boyfriend and my wife, except I was with my wife and Katie was with her boyfriend. Yeah. I want to make sure I get that right. <laughs> but that was over in Daytona. Yeah, your hotel that you guys were staying at where Clay and I went and met you was really cool. Yeah, pretty there neat was... place. It's right across from... Uh, Daytona Speedway. Yeah, and there's a bunch of cars in the lobby that Jack and I took pictures with. It was a really nice, really nice little bar. Yep. It had like garage doors that they open up and you could sit outside at the bar. It was, it was neat. And a lot of other neat things here on the website. Um, the most unique baby names from last year. I got to check this out. This is why baseball is the godfather of American sports. That was a really cool video. It happened in Anaheim recently, and it was it was neat. You have to watch it. I don't want to spoil it, but it was a really cool video. I love this McDonald's one where the chef turned the uh, Happy Meal into a gourmet pasta. I think those videos are so cool. There is this guy on TikTok who does this a lot. He brings like gourmet chefs like Chick-fil-A or, in this case, a McDonald's Happy Meal, and they turn it into like a really neat dish. And this, Fancy, too. This mm. pasta looks so good. Well, the other thing, our older listeners will love this. Um, these Hollywood stars from the past, and they're all engaged in singing. I forgot what the song is. It was a Fourth of July thing that we put up. God Bless America. God Bless America, that's right. Starts out with John Wayne, and then goes through a lot of other old movie stars and music stars and everything like that. And then the world's ugliest dog, literally. And by the way, Katie also found this, which is kind of neat. The top 10 best places to camp 
in the United States, the best places to camp. Um, and number seven is Fort DeSoto Campground. Fort DeSoto right here in the Bay Area. I've never been camping there, but I do love Fort DeSoto, like just going there for the day. Yeah, that's a joy, and I've gone several times, and we go wogging there. I mean, it's great for jogging or wogging. Uh, but Sierra Vista, New Mexico is number one. I haven't been to any of these, I don't think. Uh, Many Glacier Campground, Montana. The Wall in Buffalo Gap National Grandlands. Grasslands in South Dakota, the Alabama Hills Recreation in California, Alabama Hills Recreation Area, Split Rock Lighthouse State Park in Minnesota, White Star Campground, Colorado, and then Fort DeSoto. So those are the places that you can go camping, but it's kind of neat to have Fort DeSoto right here in the Bay Area is number seven on the top ten best places to camp in the U.S. Um, when you consider the entire country. But again, we don't camp there. We just go look at it and like it in the old fort. Parts of the old fort are still there, too. So if you haven't been there, you want to go there for sure. It is nice. Yeah. Well, we got more good stuff coming up here. So don't go away. We'll see you tomorrow morning at 5 on AM Tampa Bay. Live it up.